All right, welcome to episode 12. Shout out Jordan for cracking that thing open. And if you want to crack a beer open at, at the ballpark, you want to go see go see the Tribe, go see the Yankees, the Red Sox. I mean, shoot, Jordan's moving to Chicago. Go see the Cubbies. You want to see anybody live and in person, use SeatGeek. SeatGeek, SeatGeek makes the ticket buying process simple and stress-free. So check out the app. It's in the Google and Apple stores. Uh, download the app today with tickets to sporting events, music, comedy, theater, and more. Nothing beats seeing your favorite teams and performers live and in person. SeatGeek scans all the secondary markets, and it finds you the best deal. They rate the deals on a scale of 1 to 10. In the apps, you see green dots and red dots. Green dots are going to be high scores. It's going to be like a 10, a 9.5. That's going to be a good deal. Red dots are going to be on your lower scale, it's, and it's going to be like your 1s, your 2s. Those are the ones that, you know, they might be good seats, but it's a bad deal for you. So be sure to use our code BREAKDOWN, that's B-R-K-D-W-N, that gets you $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase, and you can go see Franmil Reyes and the Tribe continue to beat up on the Red Sox, sorry about you, Jordan, and that you can use promo code BREAKDOWN, B-R-K-D-W-N, $20 off your first purchase at SeatGeek. SeatGeek, life's an event, we have the tickets. So, gentlemen, here we go. Now it's time for a breakdown. You're listening to Gap to Gap, brought to you by The Breakdown. 3-2. Cowboys drill deep to left field. Going back choice. Looking up. See ya. 3,000. History with an exclamation point. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Swing and a drive to deep right, away back, goal! Jason Giambi has done it! Alright, welcome in episode 12, Tommy Caroselli, Gordon Von Denham, we call him Jordan El Jefe, and we got seven with us, Real 7 Costanza. Gentlemen, uh, we finally got the band back together. Yeah, about a month and a half late, but glad to have you back with us, Jordan. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Uh, it's been a while. Uh, got my education um, back now. Able to uh, get back on the podcast on this two- lovely Tuesday night and uh, join you guys. So, running the breakdown, uh, coming up with your own gambling uh, approach system, uh, model, model, that's the word I was looking for, fuck. Um, there it is. <laughs> and also getting your education. Jordan, props to you, my guy. Yeah, thank you very much. It has certainly been busy. Uh, also, as you kind of alluded to in their ad read, I am moving to Chicago. Uh, so I'm moving to Chicago a week from Friday. Uh, so looking forward to that. We'll spend the next few years in Chicago and see what they have to offer. Um, certainly it will be more competitive sports year-round than Denver. So uh, looking yeah. forward to it. For sure. Yeah, my my uh, that Rockies to win the NL West future that I got at the beginning of the season, I was bragging to you about the great price I got on it. Not looking too good now. Vegas <laughs> always wins, man. Yeah, I mean they're only sitting. Wow, they are twenty three games back. Love that. You hate to see it. Oh my god! All right, well, I'm back, guys. 
<laughs> you are back. So let's dive right into this week in baseball. Um, gentlemen, what the fuck is going on in Philadelphia? Uh, somebody help me out here. So this is hilarious when you consider what's going on. Uh, so Gabe Kapler not having the best start to his uh, managerial career. Uh, they kind of flamed out last year. We thought that after all the moves in free agency, this was going to be the year that they corrected it and righted the ship. And lo and behold, they're scuffling again. So what really boosts morale than hiring a 75-year-old man who once managed your team to a World Series title bringing him back as a hitting coach without telling anyone. Um, Charlie Manuel is back in Philadelphia and at the ripe age of 75 will be instructing these young men how to hit the baseball. So <laughs> like, if there's is, one thing that's never changed, it's hitting and there's no new philosophies there. Exactly. Launch angles. Nah, none of that. We have Charlie Manuel here from the stickball days to teach you boys <laughs> how to hit it gap to gap. <laughs> Uh, let me jump in here real quick totally off well kind of off topic Tommy what is the likelihood of 75 year old man getting a job as a hitting coach like how improbable is that in today's game in today's game it's it's astronomical I mean granted having having the background that he has is is definitely not a bad thing but like with the way baseball is trending with advanced stats and launch angles, like like you dive into a, a ton of the advanced stats when it comes to, you know, handicapping, and you know we did it a little bit with the with the homer and derby. I don't think Charlie Manuel could tell you what spin rate is. I mean, oh, yeah. spin I mean, rate. That's uh, what happens on my rascal scooter when the wheels start turning. I'm going down the grocery aisles on the fucking Peloton. <laughs> 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 Fuck it. There's no way Charlie Manuel could get up on a, pil- on a Peloton bike. No, absolutely not. <laughs> no. He definitely tried it when he was walking through the mall in Tampa Bay because obviously he lives in Tampa Bay because that's where all old people live. Yep. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Hey, guys. That's ben, what you call a callback. Call remember. That's oh, yeah. Callback. Yep. Oh, you love to see it. Um, so, I, we're all kind of in agreement. This is a, a weird move by the Phillies, right? Yeah. Like, does this mean Gabe Kapler is essentially done after this year? Or is there a way that he sticks around with his someone his father's age, uh, just hanging out, just peering down his shoulder, looking for him to make a mistake? So this like this type of scenario like just Jordan as a Pats fan, this can only be equated to like Josh McDaniels taking over the team or someone younger, you know, new energy after Belichick retires for yeah. you know ten years, and then the team's not doing too well, so you bring back Belichick to be like a personal trainer or something, like that's that's the <laughs> way that I that's how I read this. I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me, or team actually, therapist, yeah, like nutritionist. You know, Remember when Ruben? Am- <laughs> oh Remember when Ruben Amaro, who was the GM of the Phillies, ended up coaching first base for the oh fucking God. Red Sox? Like, what kind of fall from grace do you have to have to start being a first base coach after man after being a general manager of a fucking major league baseball team? Like, that's Charlie Manuel. He won a World Series for this team. Like, retires out of the league for a while probably enjoying retirement and gets a call to come back to be the hitting coach. Like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like I, I honestly, I, I, I can't, it's just, it's fucking wild. 
and what are what are the players doing during? Didn't all they this? boo like, Gabe Kapler on opening day last year? You, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, the home opener. He had like a series in L.A. and then he was introduced at the home opener, and they booed him. Am I remembering that correctly? Yes. Yeah. They also were they were booing uh, Bryce Harper week into the season this year. Didn't earn his pinstripes yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, earned those fucking pinstripes. Those Different pajamas. Oh. <laughs> fucking gross-ass uniforms. Can we talk about the, Maro- the Phillies? Those maroon uniforms they rocked a couple weeks ago were sweet, though. I like those. I uh, I love those. Um, and the Braves' uh, royal blue throwbacks, too. Yeah. Uh, Cardinals broke out the um, like the baby blue ones. I really those, like those ones. The powder blues. Yeah. Oh, just uh, I'll bang on the table for the powder blues. Yeah. Um, real quick, back to the... Um, I, I work at home for the pow- work from home for the powder blues. Oh, Jesus! <laughs> so the Phillies maroon uniforms; um, those were popular when Mike Schmidt was still playing on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a Mike Schmidt game used signed bat because uh, my father was an autograph collector when I was growing up. And the photo that accompanies uh, said bat is him in one of those uniforms. So I always think of that anytime I see those uniforms. That's sick. Your dad, the more you tell me about your dad, the more I want to meet him. Interesting, He's, dude. He yeah. sounds like such an interesting cat. Very, very interesting. I don't think, no, Brendan hasn't met him. Um, a lot of my college friends met him when I moved to California uh, back in 2014. My dad was like, yeah, you know, have a Memorial Day party here. So a few of my college friends and then all my high school friends came up to my dad's house. And the people who had not met my dad, or even when I go back, I usually throw a party on July 4th or something at his house and they're like your dad is a trip i'm like that's it because he'll sit in silence for like three hours and then it's down to like five or ten people and i was like all right here i am he's, he's thrown <laughs> back 15 bud lights uh hasn't eaten since he was on the grill because he's just sweating and angry um and then, Dude, yeah, it seems like a butt heavy guy not a bud light guy Oh, so story about that. Uh, he switched, and I I was out to dinner with him. Shit, I was like 16, 17 years old. And the server brings him a Budweiser, so a Bud Heavy. And my dad had been drinking Bud Light at that point for five, six years. And my dad gets through the whole beer without realizing it. Like, one, how the hell didn't you ever look at the label? How don't you realize it's red instead of blue? Yeah. First off. Uh, finishes his beer so that I mean mind you this could be a three and a half minutes the beer's gone he usually when you go out to eat with him he turns to the server and he says when you see me start to drink this just bring me another because I'll probably be done but it's not a joke <laughs> like that's how my, my dad only drinks and it's like two sips it's gone he only drinks it to quench his thirst um, but he does it very efficiently so the server um he comes back and he's like, yeah, get me another Bud Light. And he, the server goes, uh, sir, don't you mean a Budweiser? And he goes, wow, I asked for a Bud Light, but I just drank that whole thing and didn't realize. So I'm young. I've maybe had 10 beers, 12 beers at this point in my life. Uh, total is a lot of the uh, Smirnoff type of guy in uh, high schools. That's what was easy to steal mm-hmm. and get people to buy for you. Uh, so we... <laughs> I'm like, you didn't realize that? He goes, honestly, he goes, I don't really taste it. He goes, I've been drinking beer since I was your age. Uh, He's like, I don't taste it anymore. He goes, yeah. I was like, why did you switch to Bud Light? He said, well, you know, 
when I was when you were younger, uh, people told me I should start uh, drinking less. So obviously I was a little bit bigger at the time, so I just thought they meant calories, and I switched to Bud Light. Classic. And like says it deadpan, and I lost my fucking shit. It was like the funniest thing I had ever heard at that point. That's fucking funny as shit. I've never had a taste for the Bud Heavies until uh, I hit hit up the baseball tavern in in Boston, and they had the four dollar Budweiser, and it was the cheapest beer I could find all weekend. Yep. And those things went down like water all weekend. Yeah, not not on draft though. You can't have Bud or. Bud oh no! It was Bud draft. It was Bud oh, draft. Oh no, no. Oh. I I was enjoying myself. You're a tough guy. I, I right, pretty much got, got. I have a mullet, nice pretty ball. much. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> this podcast's off the rails. Um, we made it ten minutes in. Yeah, that was that was fun, guys. All right, th- uh, see you guys next week. <laughs> uh, all right. Anyway, uh, also this week in baseball, uh, the Indians are on fucking fire, boys. Yep. No, I uh, I got to eat crow because I was doubting them hard when we recorded last week. So. Um, here's my apology, Tommy. Please, I appreciate it. it. I yep. accept it. Yeah, you're welcome to, to, to join the bandwagon. No, no, no. I'm too busy watching Gio Urshela. I mean, he, he one time suited up in Chief Wahoo, so yeah, I was gonna say that still counts. That guy that the Indians just gave away for nothing, right? Still counts. Um, <laughs> um, best record since June 1st. Uh, the Indians were down 11 and a half on June 4th. And have since erased that. They now hold a half-game lead in the Central. Um, that lead, that 11.5, by the way, the third largest lead a team has ever held on June 4th. And if the Indians can uh, erase that lead and and hold on to or continue to uh, hold on to the first-place spot, it will be the largest lead ever blown to a second-place team. So this wow. is kind of cyclical with them, right? Because it was three years ago when they went, like, what? They had 22 games in a row or something crazy like that? That was in 17. 17? All right, so every two years it sounds like they just go on these crazy fucking runs then. Yep. It's like the um, the San Francisco Giants for a while. They were doing the, eh, it's an even year, we can win. Yeah. Uh, thing that they were running with for a little bit. Still I mean, for, for them that, their eyes. that checked out for a while. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, it did. Yeah, it, it held its water. Uh, but, yeah, so... I mean, granted, me being an Indians fan, it's it's hard to uh, stay unbiased about this. I I obviously have the the qualms with the rotation. Granted, Kluber's coming back. Carrasco did fielding work today, so good to see him uh, powering through that leukemia tr- uh, treatment. Um, what do you guys think about the Indians? I know Jordan, you have a future on the Indians, so why don't you lead off here? Uh, yeah. So I do. I. So I actually was just pulling up my account on the sports book that I have it at. Uh, I bet that on July 11th, uh, I took the Indians to win the AL Central at plus 700. So $100 wins 700. Um, July 7th, I'm not sure if I'll be able to backdate uh, ML. Oh, yes, I can. Shit, that's awesome. All right, let's see. So on July 11th, they were five and a half games out. So they had already erased a lot of the deficit uh this was when minnesota was really in that downturn um when well i mean they kind of still are it's really up in the air about that rotation uh you have like two and a half to three pitchers uh depending on the week 
and uh, who actually decides to show up. But I took them when they were five and a half back. Uh, they were on a nice little seven and three game win streak. They it was right when they started to win a lot. They had won six straight. Um, I took them at plus seven hundred to win the central, and it looks like it's uh, doing well. Now I know down the stretch the. Uh, twins have a little bit of an easier. Uh, I was say down down this this stretch is huge because the Indians uh, are going to play the Mets, the Yankees, the uh, the Nationals again. Uh, I'm trying to think who else comes to town, but I know they have that stretch of games. And meanwhile, uh, the Twins are going to have a stretch of AL Central opponents that aren't the Indians, so they're going to have a little easier time frustrating for for the indians i think they're still going to hold on to win the central though i do too actually so that's kind of what i was getting to it was although they do have the harder schedule of the two teams i think that momentum especially this late into the season um obviously i've talked we've talked about this and you even mentioned it before i model i handicap uh so i do it without bias um or i try to i ended up giving it up while i started to focus on nfl and this season was just batshit crazy uh no one could really predict a lot of what's going on so i certainly believe in momentum i certainly believe in uh the indians and i think that the run that they are currently on with that team um seeing they're currently coming back against the red sox they were we started this pod they were down six one it's now six five yeah six five carlos santana struck out with the dude on third i'm pissed (laughs) well they don't give up uh, they are running hot right now, and if I were a Indians fan, I would certainly be excited about what is going on there. Um, I think worst case scenario, you could end up in the wild card. No big deal. Worst shit has happened. Um, it's a lot better than where we were sitting at the beginning of the season when you lost sixty yeah. percent of your rotate, forty to sixty percent of your rotation. Yeah, you're not kidding. Um, <laughs> so we're still yeah, at, not at forty. We're at forty percent of our opening day rotation right now. That's yeah. insane. Granted, Bowers in Cincinnati, and we have two legit bats, although one of them suspended right now. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's wild to think about. Seven, what do you think about the tribe? I'm actually like kind of buying in on them now. Um, just watching how hot they've been. The thing is, like, I I'm still like cautious about them just because of the lineup. Um, I know they're like they're playing really well right now, so. Obviously, we just think they're invincible, but I just I always have caution with teams like this, uh, just that are so like they're so one dimensional in terms of just like it's all pitching with them, and if the pitching's not right, then I just don't trust the lineup night in night out. But I mean, I'm buying in for what it's doing right now. Um, I'm happy for you, Tommy. Uh, I will say that I'm very happy. Uh, we have another competitive team um, in, in the mix here, and I will root for them. When they're not playing the Yankees, which happens, I believe, next week or this week, so that should be fun to watch. I think that I think when you put them up against teams like that, like you know the the Astros, the Yankees, or the Twins, even, I just want to see how they play against them now. Um, because granted, you know they should be able to run away with this um, if they can beat those teams, but I just I, I got to see it first. But I, I love how they're playing right now. Um, I'm in your corner for what it's worth, but not when they play my team. Okay. Well, don't you worry because you're not going to have to worry about playing our team because uh, I'm not, I actually, you know what? I'm not going to talk shit about the Yankees. I'm not going to say, <laughs> um, come on, go off. No, King. no, 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 <laughs> <laughs> no, but right now we just have really, really good pitching or re- obviously starting pitching has been fantastic. You've gotten 
great contributions from guys that have, I mean, at the beginning of the year, we would have thought had no business being in, in, in a major league baseball rotation. You had Shane Bieber who started the year as our five Mm -hmm. and has since, I mean, put together legitimately built himself a little bit of a case for a Cy Young. I don't think it'll work, but the all-star game MVP has been outstanding lately. He leads the MLB in incomplete games right now. 12 and 4, a 328 ERA, a whip sub 1, 193 strikeouts. He's been great. Again, it's an outside chance at a Cy Young, but Bieber's been absolutely nails and he's turned into a into a, the Indians number 1 when he started the year as the 5. You've gotten good contributions from Aaron Saval, Zach Plesac, and uh Adam Plutko, who mm-hmm. anybody out of Cleveland has no idea who those three even are. Um, Franmil Reyes finally found the power stick. He's hit hit two home runs in two days. Carlos Santana has been clutching up. He's got three home runs in in three days, including a walk off last night. Um, I mean, the bullpen is what the bullpen is. Simber's been up and down. Brad Hand, I think, has been overused by Tito. Yeah. Um, and that's why we've seen the the two blown saves Sunday and Monday. Um, I think he's been overused. I think he needs to literally just sit in the corner in a rocking chair for four for four days <laughs> and say, here's your plyo ball. You can cuddle this thing, but you're not touching a baseball until Friday. Um, yeah. I, I really, really like this team. I think with I, I went to Corey Kluber's reha- uh, second rehab start tonight. He looked great. Carrasco's starting to come back into the fold. I think the Indians are poised for a good October run and – I'm not going to say anything about the Yankees. I'm shooting. I'm saying look out Astros. Ooh, okay. Shoot your shot. <sighs> what could okay. go wrong? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, exactly. What could go wrong is exactly what I just mentioned. The, the, the problems with Brad Hand could be more than overuse, and he could just have lost it in the second half, and these – these blown saves could be a trend rather than an overuse issue. Um, the bullpen is young. Uh, Simber has only had two postseason appearances in his career, um, and then you have exactly what I said with the with the back half of the rotation with Saval, Plesac, Plutko. Those guys could show that they're super duper young and fold. I mean, we saw uh, Plesac battle through five and a third last night, but he still kind of got tagged by this Red Sox team, gave up four runs. Um, I I wouldn't be surprised to see the back half of the rotation fall off. Um, Luckily, right now, Jose Ramirez is being what we expected Jose Ramirez to be. But, I mean, just as much as we see him succeeding, we saw him be absolutely atrocious in the beginning of the year. And then you have shaky outfield play out of guys like Tyler Naquin and Greg Allen. The, the, this Indians team is playing really, really well right now, and I think a lot of it is they're rallying behind uh, Carlos Carrasco and his fight against leukemia. Um, but you got to wonder, is is, there, is a return to earth possible? And I think it is. I just don't see it happening. But like you said, it, it is possible that things could go wrong, um, and that's what I would identify as as some key factors there. Whew, I'm out of breath. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good. so somebody else got right. anything? <laughs> no, I mean, I just wanted to give you an opportunity as an Indians fan. To oh, talk about your team. 
And one more thing that that could very well go wrong is Terry Francona. Oh yeah, I've been I, there. <laughs> I love Terry Francona. I think he's a great manager. And I had a discussion yesterday. Right now, you guys, I want your opinion on this. Okay. Who would you give the nod to for AL Manager of the Year? I mean, I'm going to be biased. I think you have to give it to Boone just because of what he's had to deal with on that roster. Um, but I can also see Francona if they rally back and win this division. It's uh, kind of neck and neck at that point if that's how it plays out. Seven or Jordan, what about you? Um, who did seven choose? He said Booney. It's a fucking savage, man. Oh uh, yeah. He's also he know. also didn't say anything. Yeah, good point. Uh fuck. I'd probably actually lean towards Aaron Boone. I would lean wow. towards Aaron Boone. I would lean towards Aaron Boone as well. As another one I threw out was Rocco Baldelli. Ooh, that's a good first one. year. First year managing that Twins team, and he's been good he's point, been great. Yeah. He's been I mean, great, and, and had... they're they're drastically outperforming expectations. So sorry, Aaron Boone, you've given us some good quotes, but I'm actually gonna revoke my uh, MLB uh, Players Association vote, and I'm gonna go with the Twins. I won't. So I, I will not revoke my vote, but I do understand the Baldelli love, but I can't yeah. revoke that. Would you? Stay with that Baldelli vote, even if they don't win the central. No. Uh, if they can, if they can stay in the wild card, yeah. I did not. So preseason, you and I talking about the central, we had um, high hopes. I guess I don't know. We we certainly believed the Twins would be better than they were last year. We thought that this division was the Indians to lose, uh, and at the beginning of the season, it really seemed like that's what it was. Uh, but they really came back and put in some crazy work to be able to do this. The Twins' problem is known. They can't fucking pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, if their bats don't beat the shit out of you and beat you into the ground, they're not gonna, they struggle to win, and it sucks because they don't have, it, they don't have reliable pitchers. Their most reliable pitchers... Jake Odorizzi? Yeah. Uh, really? Is he? Yeah, I think so at this point, yeah. Or Berrios. And he's not. Yeah, I would say Barry. I was thinking more towards Barrios. I was gonna um, say him, but I think Odorizzi has probably better numbers on this season than Barrios does, in terms of just a full body of work right now. I think Barrios. I, I more so think Barrios because he's been more consistent. Uh, Odorizzi has gotten absolutely lit up in like four games this year. But other than that, he's been a stud. But the fact that you have that ticking time bomb that could go off in October, uh, where he just gets shelled in the second inning of a ALDS game, uh, yeah. worries me. Like every one of the fucking starters on the Yankees. Yeah, I totally agree. Last year? Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. this year too. I, like, two? Oh, jeez. Dude, uh, every time I see J-Hap take the mound, I have like... <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> I have heartburn and anxiety because I just know that there's going to be some fucking nukes to follow. Oh, it's funny as hell. I uh, <clears throat> never mind. I was gonna no, go, go off. You got to do. No, it. I was going to be a Red Sox Yankees. I just I almost felt bad for the for Yankees fans last year. Who was that who just died on the mound? Uh, was that uh, Severino did oh yeah that's what it was it was Severino and I felt so bad because Severino was the he was your guy all year and then he just looked like an absolute squid out there couldn't fucking do anything he I've never seen a man sweat like that that quickly (laughs) 
He was he was through his shirt. He was through his hat. He had sweat dripping down his arms. I'm like, oh my god, I couldn't have even imagined being out there. Who yeah, uses no. that analogy? Looking like an absolute squid. Uh, man. Rocket power. Yeah, rocket. Oh, power. okay, fair. <laughs> I'll eat crow on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. A couple other things from baseball this week. Uh, players' weekend. Hats and jerseys announced. Very monochromatic, which has been uh, opposite of what we've seen in the previous two players' weekend. Either all white or all black, out of uh, every team in Major League Baseball. Jordan, big night for you, huh? Two beers. <laughs> This is I'm getting wild. These Mick Ultras. <laughs> and you're staying in shape. <laughs> <laughs> um but so just real quick we'll, we'll go we'll, I mean it's not that big of a story but still is it's kind of a non-story story. Uh what do you guys think of of number 1 the jersey design, 2 players weekend as a whole, 3 give me a nickname that you love. I think they're fucking ugly. <laughs> Yes. Okay. I'm so glad I'm not the only one. No, they're fucking dude. It looks like something like a high school would fund because they couldn't like. It's like it's like a fundraiser like from the booster parents that just fucking put together their money to get these nickname jerseys. That's what they look like. They look fucking terrible. MLB's reasoning behind it was that they're all white or all black, so it was available to be maximize to maximize the uh, freedom of expression and freedom of accessories it gives the players on Players Week, and it'll make those accessories pop. Go fuck yourself. Sign a contract with another <laughs> team if you want to express your, uh, <laughs> express your freedom in a different color. <laughs> what? That's absurd. That's seriously what they said? They said, because, like, I mean, let's just take a guy. Like, who's a guy that would accessorize? Like Yaziel Puig, for example, okay? Yeah. Yeah. If he wants to rock, or Yoenis uh, Cespedes, who always rocks that neon yellow sleeve, they're basically saying that a, that neon yellow sleeve will pop more off an all-white or an all-black mm. versus a bright blue and bright orange Players Weekend jersey. Mm. Maybe. Maybe they just don't go so eccentric with the colors of the uniforms they choose for Players Weekend. I mean, that seems like an easy fix to me. So here was my thought on it. Like, take yeah. a, t- a team a team like the Indians, a team like the Red Sox, that are navy and red, are now going to have to wear, well, I don't know about the Red Sox, but I know the Indians is all black. It's not one of your team colors. But hey, that bright green sleeve that Francisco Lindor is going to wear, and the bright yellow stirrups that Yaziel Puig will have, I, I mean, it's just, it, fuck, like, wh- what are we doing? Uh, yeah, I mean, I I enjoy the accessorization that players can have. Um, oh yeah, I do I, too. When I was playing, I certainly enjoyed that to some degree. Um, but at the same time, it's still a team. The, by and large, the teams have existed for how old are the Devil Rays? Ninety-seven or no? Sorry, the D-backs Marlins. were ninety-seven. Oh yeah, Marlins were D-backs. Yeah. Marlins ninety-seven. N- no, Marlins um, weren't ninety-seven because they didn't win the World Series in their in- inaugural season. You're right. You're right. Um, they, I mean, what, the teams are 20 years old? But other than that, like, teams like the Red Sox, they've had those colors forever. Yankees have had that forever. Like, why do we need to go to whiteout or blackout? That's really what I thought it was, is I was like, ooh, they're going to get uh, towels in the stands and, like, stuff like that. No, it's even worse. Thought we were going to have black lights? Nope. No black lights. It's a bullshit. This is the worst wedding ever. <laughs> <laughs> Seven, when... 
you saw, I mean, not necessarily this weekend, but uh, have the Yankees ever played at home on Players Weekend? Uh, no, I think they were away. Okay, I was gonna, I, I was gonna ask. My question was gonna be the Yankees playing at home, not in pinstripes. It'll be weird. I don't. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of it, but I understand like that's the week. That's just the weekend to do it. So I'll put an asterisk next to it because I still won't count this as not wearing pinstripes. I just think this is you know. This is Players Weekend. Let them express themselves. Um, I will say this, though. Some of the nicknames are, are pretty funny. I do like uh, Brock Stewart's nickname jersey on the Blue Jays, Beef Stew. I like that one. <laughs> uh, that one got me. And then also, I had to note, like, David Price, <laughs> he's such a fucking asshole. Like, Xander oh, Bogart's, Bogart's X-Man. Makes sense. He has an him. X in his name. David oh, Price's fucking nickname he chose is just X. It's like, fuck you, yeah, Xander. I'm the real X-Man. Because he changed his number because he's a contrarian. Yeah, he's such a fucking loser. I oh, mean, hold on a second. The Yankees did play at home on the first player's weekend. Okay, so we can just count this as just another time then. Yeah. That's fine. I'm, I'm okay with that then. And they're away uh, this year. <laughs> Actually, so... Ty, Ty Buttry has the best nickname. It's the emoji for the peach... And a tree emoji mm-hmm. for buttery. I love that. That's that's, <laughs> I lo- that's thick. That's thick as fuck. I love that type buttery. How many C's? <laughs> oh, let's see. I'll get that four C's. Four C's? Okay. Yeah. No, nah, right. actually, no. It's like that's sixteen C's. That's thick. <laughs> he, he dummy Jesus. thick. <laughs> he dummy thick. <laughs> All right. So here I'm gonna give a couple of my favorites. Um, I love Francisco Lindor's Mr. Smile. Sorry, Tommy. Um, I actually is, don't like that one. Really? Is, does he have a sponsorship with? Nope. Really? Delta nope. Dental. <laughs> yeah, he needs. He needs like Quip needs to sign. No, him he, up or he, he. I think he does have a sponsorship. He does. With. That's what I'm saying. I've seen the yeah. commercial. Oh, I mean, they don't air it in Cleveland apparently. Because he's ashamed of it. Um, <laughs> I have internet TV. Uh, so there's that one. I really enjoy. Uh, the who is it? Josh Fegley. I think that's who it is in the A's. Yeah. He always says "pi" player to be named later, uh, as he was traded a handful of times when he was <laughs> the yeah, player like to be named later. That was really fun. Um, but my favorite this year is Joey Votto's. That's an all-timer. I was um, just about to say that one. Yeah, when you can call out Abbott and Costello, or you can call out uh, Rain Man, uh, and you can be who, as in who's on first. That's that's an all-timer. That's too good. Um, I'm trying to think. I like, I love, uh, I love who. Oh, uh, how about Brad Boxberger using box emoji, hamburger emoji? Mm-hmm. That, I saw that. That was pretty funny. Uh, Shane Bieber rocking not Justin. Oh, I saw, I saw that. Who has the, um... Where's the lightning bolt on the back of their jersey? Mm, I don't know. It's not Fulton Navich. She's not that creative. Uh, Joey Pico de Gallo. Oh man, was had he done that in? Uh, I don't know. This year? Oh, that that's was this year. Great. Yeah, that's great. Funky Muncie uh, from that's a good Muncie. one. I like that one. Um, little Beastie Boys there. But. Whoever the lightning bolt is, number nine. It just popped yeah. up in my head. 
I, I saw that and I was like, who's is that? Because I couldn't think of. Oh, Holy actually. cow. Hold on a second. John du- Duplantier of the Diamondbacks is dupe. There it is. That's oh a good my one. God. Is nine bias? No, because he always goes with uh, that is El Mago. Is it really? Yeah. I think that's bias. Who's number 49 that has type 1 on their jersey? <laughs> oh my god, that's a good one. Uh, a, a middle reliever? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Eric Sogard, nerd power. Yeah, I, 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 love they, uh, I wish they would show the... I, I don't know if they're doing it again or he's doing it again, but... Uh, do you remember when Kyle Seeger used his nickname as just Corey's brother? Corey's brother. That was yeah, a great one. That was, that was the best one. Ugh. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, moving on from Players Weekend. A uh, little disclaimer here. If you have not seen the Netflix documentary Screwball and don't want any spoilers, uh, skip ahead towards the, ep- the end of the episode. Probably what? I think probably 25 minutes if you're not, uh, if, you're, if you haven't listened yet. Yeah. Okay, so skip ahead 25 minutes. So Screwball, if you have not, uh, if you do want spoilers but haven't seen it yet, it's a smart and entertainingly light handling of a serious topic. Screwballs pr- proves well worth a watch for baseball fan as well as true crime enthusiasts. That is according to Rotten Tomatoes. Netflix, uh, Netflix, what's the word, description? Has baseball had an arms race. The biggest biceps won. For one fake doctor, it was time to step up to the plate. He's not a fake doctor. He's an unlicensed physician. He's an unlicensed physician. <laughs> he has a medical degree. From Belize. From, from Belize. Belize. Just because you're not licensed doesn't yeah. mean you're not a doctor. Exactly. I don't know anything about no performance-enhancing drugs. I'm a nutritionist. Yeah. Fucking I do, dumb I do anti-aging. shit. Anti-aging. Anti-aging clinic. So the documentary covers... Uh, as you can probably guess from the banter, the steroid era of baseball and how one man uh, kind of swindled Major League Baseball. Is yeah. That, is that kind of the, 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 the right takeaway that I got from it, guys? Yeah. Um, and in the end, he ended up getting his. So, you know, in the end, the good guy always wins. The bad guy went down. Um, had some stuff go on with him legally. But, yeah, I mean... This real this is our childhood too, through high school. Um, I mean, I remember in twenty thirteen when all of this broke on sixty minutes, and uh, you had Pedro Gomez out there. Um, you had a lot of different coverage for this, uh, but I remember when it all started, uh, dating back to even like before this with McGuire and all that. But this really showed how Tony Bosch um, and what he was able to do with the Biogenesis Clinic. Doctor uh, really- Tony Bosch. Yeah, <laughs> uh, really did um, change the landscape of baseball as we know it. All right, so let's give context here. Uh, how old were you? I'm 24. How old are you guys here? Be 28 in two months. Yeah, uh, Sam. We both have All right. October birthdays. Libra. So you guys are. <laughs> yeah, we're so... like uh, four days apart or something like that. Yeah, I think so. That's so cute. Yeah. Um. So. I mean, I was only like 10, 11. You guys were like, you know, 12, 12, 16, or 16 area, 15, 16. Um, When this was going on, like, 
I remember some of these shots that were used with like the Pedro Gomez report outside the biogenesis clinic. Like I remember some of this stuff. It's wild to kind of revisit it. Did you guys kind of feel that same nostalgia? Yeah, for sure. I think it, it was funny watching the documentary because they were so lighthearted with it. Um, and then behind the scenes stuff that you never really realized until watching it with everything with Porter Fisher um, being kind of the whistleblower. And I think it's just comical that the whole thing, like this whole like, you know, million dollar business that Bosch created blew up because he refused to pay a man $4,000. Um, with interest. With interest, yeah. With Bosch, interest. With, with interest, that has to be noted. Um, but yeah, I mean, was... his whole his whole snooping started over a twelve hundred dollar payment. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> like that's a rent check for some people. Yes. Like, um, but that was the best. Don't ever cross Porter Fisher. He will fuck your life up. You mentioned the the lightheartedness of it, and it's funny because like I was trying to explain you know how the documentary was done, and I was like, no, like you know how like documentaries like recreate stuff. Well, they did it with little kids acting as the actors. Yeah. What did you guys think of the of the recreation scenes with you know probably nine to twelve year olds? Would you guys say? Uh, I was uncomfortable watching it. Uh, to be honest, like I couldn't wait for them to get back to the actual interviews. Uh, it was very strange, especially with the guy playing Porter Fisher who had the muscle suit under his shirt. Um, I did not like him at all. I, I like no offense to the kid. Like I'm sure they're good kids, but I I did not like them. Jordan, what did you think of it? Uh, I was actually for it. So we had kind of alluded to this earlier, and I was talking about how when I was explaining it to my girlfriend, my girlfriend was just confused. She's like, "Why are there children?" Why is that kid wearing a muscle suit? Why are they? Why have they painted on kids to make it look like they have facial hair? Um, I thought it was a cool way to do it. Uh, kind of re- reminded me of Drunk History a little bit. Uh, yeah. When they do the reenactments. So I enjoyed it. Um, I think that it was a fun and interesting way to get people outside of the baseball world interested in this. If they did reenactments and it was just dudes who looked like Porter Fisher and Tony Bosch and A-Rod, I think people like my girlfriend may not have been as interested in it. Uh, But knowing that every two to three minutes we were going to cut away to a 60-second clip of children acting as adults brought a little uh, value to it well that was really I, the, I uh, loved it Sorry, the artistic direction too though uh because everyone in this case was acting like children and they weren't acting their age so i think that's a nod to the director uh billy corbin for really portraying that i i know nothing about filmmaking i just thought it was fucking weird um and, and the facial hair wait really back up is out. that why they actually did that i mean yeah so no, oh. it is actually. Wow. So I I read a review from some movie review site uh, before this, and I was like, let's see if there's you know any uh, highbrow stuff that I haven't quite figured out. Um, and that's what they said was that it was representing the fact that this was done by people who were clearly very immature, very egotistical, and behaved like children, um, and that's why they. Uh, chose to portray children as it and then also that it was i suppose somewhat funny look at you seven look at you seven making like high level observations like don't worry about it i'll be honest i'm gonna leave and i'm gonna do an art house picture after (laughs) i thought it was just stylistic and like like jordan said like a, a fun way to 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 you know recreate the scenes just a different way but i like that 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 was actually uh, intentionally done because they were acting like children um so talking about doc dr tony bosch dr tony bosch on a scale (laughs) 
I'm reading the rundown. One being Charlie Sheen, or one to Charlie Sheen. Oh yeah. I was gonna say one to Billy McFarlane, but on that, go ahead. On a scale of one to Billy McFarlane, how insane slash delusional is this guy? Uh, He's Charlie Sheen delusional. There, I can work (laughs) with that. Uh, I couldn't really believe this. Like, it, especially through the first half of the documentary, when he's just recounting everything that happened while shit was really going good for him. Um, towards the back half, uh, I'd say really the last forty minutes or so, you can see that he's like, you. It really weighed on him that he ended up getting caught and how it all went down, and then the way it all ended. Um, but I think that through the whole first half, when he's kind of going through his dick of his anti-aging clinic um repeatedly referring to it as anti-aging like dude we fucking know it's steroids like you were shooting dudes in the ass with hgh and testosterone some dude named oogie was making it in his bathtub yeah oogie ugi yeah that's not UGI. Uh, yeah, it, uh, he, and he, uh, a lot of the stuff didn't sit well with me. Um, he's completely delusional. G- choosing to go to medical school in Central America because you know you couldn't meet American standards. Like, what the fuck? Obviously, that's someone who's not planning to do the right thing with their medical degree. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, no even, arguments here. Just to argue a little bit, though, with, like, the remorse thing... He wasn't even remorseful for the lives like that he fucked up. It was all it was like he was sad that he got caught. Like he had no yeah. remorse in the fact that like he tarnished a fucking like a whole sport by shooting a route up in the ass in a nightclub in Miami. Like that, it, he didn't care about that. He cared about his own reputation. Which, I mean, for, when you look at his interviews, like he's laughing about the fact that he was using a dead doctor's fucking prescription pad to write these the scripts out for his patients quote unquote um like he, he like he didn't care at all it was just all about him so which is pretty par for the course if you watch the documentary and like, you just see how this ridiculous this guy is answering these questions and recounting the stories um i mean i think he's credible but i also just think jordan to your point he's out of his fucking mind what did you think of it of him specifically tommy uh just like you guys said just out of his mind um I mean, you guys kind of hit on all the main points. A guy who got a medical degree, kind of knowing he was going to be skeevy about it. Um, like, I, I, I very much like. I, I told you guys immediately. Like this, he reminds me of Billy McFarlane. That he's just always looking for a, a, a to reason his way out, and he can lie, and he'll do whatever he needs to do to to justify it in his mind. And the fact that he was willing to give PEDs to high schoolers. Yeah is and like he he was like almost like bragging about it he was like yeah i had i had pro guys on my list i had college guys on my list i even had fucking high schoolers on my list like cool like like, how do you how do you how do you sleep at night knowing you're injecting 17 year olds 18 year olds with peds that's also on the parents too because i mean again we don't really know but according to Bosch, the parents were like bringing them into the clinic to get their kids shut up so i mean everyone's at fault here and it's it really is just kind of when you think about it, it's like how deep do we have to look at it like do we look at baseball in a different lens moving forward um, because players are still getting popped for peds obviously bosh isn't involved but 
you know, the science is out there, they're going to find ways around it. So it just kind of brings to light just how, I guess, dark behind the scenes is with a lot of these players. Um, anywhere from, like, minor leaguers, high schoolers, to your point, all the way to, like, the superstars like A-Rod. It's just how deep does it really go. And we probably will never know the true scope of it, but this was just kind of unsettling to watch. And then, yeah, it's, go ahead, go ahead, Jordan. Um, my, my thing, I was just going to ask, uh, pose a question to you two. What do you think is worse in terms of like what he's doing wrong? He had two things here that were really troubling to me. One, giving steroids to kids, regardless of whether the parents were bringing them on in there or not. And I don't really think it was just 17 and eight year olds, 18 year olds. I think it was like fucking freshmen and sophomores trying to get an edge, trying to make the fuck and make it past the JV team. Like You've got some delusional parents out there today um, and doing anything to try and give their kid an edge. I could totally see no matter the age they are. That um, wouldn't so- surprise me, but he did uh, mention like parents coming in saying, get this kid ready for June's draft. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you're right. I do remember that. Um, but regardless, obviously steroids have a lifelong effect um, and a child is ooh, pro- why they would probably do it on their own. Their parent is bring them to that is that worse than the fact that he was using a dead doctor's prescription pad um if you watch the documentary he they make mention that he was using a doctor's prescription pad uh for after for up to a year after the doctor had died before he was finally caught using that doctor's prescription pad um i guess it's a common practice that doctors move to uh, retired doctors move to Florida and they rent or sell their prescription pads to allow uh, pill mills and stuff like that to run. But that didn't say well to me. Obviously, he was he was doing it for steroids. He wasn't out there prescribing opiates or anything like that. Um, but people still could have had lifelong um, illnesses, diseases, or anything uh, as a result of this. I guess to me it's set worse that he was doing it to kids. Um, and maybe that's just because I kind of had a, a, a realization that, that that the the selling of prescription pads and, like, um, that kind of stuff, I kind of had a, a small understanding that that kind of happened already. Um, but just to see the the scope of, of how far he went with with giving kids steroids – that really rubbed me the wrong way. But maybe I'm off base on that. Seven, what do you think? No, I think you're right. I th- uh, and because at that point, too, the kid's not really, like, fully developed yet. They're, they're not old enough to make those decisions on their own. Um, so, like, I don't blame the kids. I blame the parents and Bosch for allowing it to happen. And But in the end, you know, he did get his because that was – it wasn't him juicing up the players uh, in the major leagues. It was him juicing up the kids that really got him in trouble and got him the jail time. So – it, it did come back to bite him in the ass. It's just, you know, I didn't think it was very, I mean, nothing that this guy did was professional, but um, to take it beyond, you know, the pros, even college down to the high school level, uh, that was just kind of, that, that was sickening just to think like kids are shooting up in high school trying to do this shit, you know? Yeah. Um, no, one last note on uh, Tony Bosch, Dr. Tony Bosch. Um <laughs> On a scale of one to Tony Montana, how bad of a coke problem did this dude have? <laughs> Tony Montana. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, he said, didn't he say at one point that like a whole five grand check went to straight straight to coke? Yeah, they they equated it out. It was like he was spending like sixty grand a year on just coke. 
um, I think it was like I, I think that was the number. Um, but even so, like five grand, just one check to get that much cocaine. Uh, you know, he was definitely living a Miami lifestyle. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of a lot of his stories kind of had the so one time when I was on coke, like we've all met the person who starts the story with one time when I was at a party or one time I was drinking, but every story of his either ended with because I was on Coke or one time when I was on Coke. Um, that was really troubling. Um, clearly a lot of his decision-making process was compromised as a result of that. Um, I mean, he talks about it even through when he did the, um, like Pedro Gomez, uh, expose that he was still railing lines of blow um, on a consistent <laughs> basis. So this wasn't like he, it was maintained to like, oh man, you know, A-Rod, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm cool, I'm hanging out, I'm living in the lifestyle. Like, this was Tony Bosch. Um, Dr. Yeah. Tony Bosch. Doc- <laughs> 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 you get me every time. I'm going to. Just incredible. And then you know, we didn't really dive into Porter Fisher. Or we did a little bit. I, I think it's just funny. Like, he was so earnest. And, like, he, they really made him out to look like such an idiot. And I think he was okay with that because I think at this point he realized if it wasn't for him, the whole thing wouldn't have been found anyway. But when he was working with the health department official, uh, and he had to go up to the storage facility to get all the notebooks that he stole from Bosch with all the records of who he was he was dealing all the steroids to and he fucking tells the guy he's tanning with like oh yeah knowing that he is in that inner circle saying yeah i gotta go up to okala i have to get these files for the steroid stuff like dude (laughs) shut the fuck up for a second like you're going to get a spray tan you're just gonna let leak like the biggest news that probably anyone has right now at the time and you're just gonna leak it at a tanning salon so of course they're gonna fucking steal this shit out of his car and just you know ruin this guy's life and all his credibility and that's what happened but like all the second guessing uh after watching it it's like dude if you just kept your mouth shut a lot more would have happened in your favor instead of him being barred from going back to dade county and starting the porter fisher you know journey of keeping kids off steroids which he's doing now which is good but like dude like uh so a couple things on porter fisher I could not believe when he started describing Gary Jones, uh, a.k.a. Bobby from Boca, yeah. as a reg. You know, he's a technician. You always see him in there. It's like seeing the owners. No. Seeing the owners at a place, a family-run business, is a lot more common than seeing the guy who comes in to fix their fucking machines. That means you're living there. Like, he must have just been hanging out at that. Uh, the or other- the machines were 100% fucked. Yeah, that too. Like, so probably not safe to go get a tan from fucking Boca, whatever. It's what was it? Boca, Boca, Boca tanning. tanning. Boca tanning. Yeah. yeah, probably not the safest beds to use. Good point. Touche. Um, I that was killing me. Uh, and he, the way he there was one line that he had. Uh, what did he say? He said, "When the MLB asked him, oh fuck, I can't say it without laughing. Uh, when the MLB asked him if he wanted to work for them." And he deadpan 
looked at the camera in the documentary and said, Do what? Collect baseballs for you? Scoop balls? Yeah, no, I could not. I was like, this guy probably seriously thought that too. Like, Oh, dude, like... I I rewound that. I've wa- I watched that scene three times to be like, all right, did I miss something? Like, was there, was he picking up balls at the time that MLB approached him? And then, <laughs> nope, that wasn't the case. So I went back. I'm like, where the fuck is he getting this from? And I totally believe that he looked at those guys from uh, Major League Baseball and said, and do what? Pick up balls? Scoop balls? Like, I really think he said that to them. Yeah, 100%. Oh, my God. Ugh. It's unbelievable. What do you think of Porter, Tommy? He's just a... First of all, I loved the the little kid representation of him. Um, (laughs) The kid wearing the muscle suit. I know we touched on a little bit before. Um, But I I just... He was... I think he was the most character-like guy in the whole thing. That, like, you almost look at him like, dude, are you really doing this? Are you really... And, like... I, I I got a kick out of Porter. It was almost one of those things that like like the whole fact that he's uh he's doing this originally over a twelve hundred dollar check. At, at, at most a forty two hundred dollar check, then he decides to add interest. And then when he doesn't find it when they when when they uh when they say he couldn't he wasn't gonna get paid, he's oh, you know, I got access to the place. I, I can be there. Yeah, so he goes in. into, he breaks into Dr. Tony Bosch's office. He's taking pictures, takes pictures of the lab coat that says Dr. Tony Bosch. <laughs> and then he remembers a conversation about needing the folder. And he just goes, I'm going to fucking steal this notebook. Fuck it. Like, <laughs> yeah, just stole the box, everything. Just took all of it. Oh, my God. And on top of that, all right, one, la- one last note on Porter for me. The fact that when he first sat down and the guy's like, you know, Tony Bosch, baseball. And yeah. this guy thought, oh, yeah, he must have played in high school. No, yeah. don't you think if you're going to fucking get in bed with this guy in business, you, maybe you just throw a quick quick run through the Google machine one time? No, he has to wait, like, three months to run a Google on the guy. Like, yeah, and it was because someone mentioned it to him. It wasn't even because he goes, oh, shit, maybe I should do that. Like, someone mentioned to him that he should probably know that guy. And he was like, oh, so I went home and I looked on Google and boy, Tony Bosch baseball it was there. <laughs> what a shit. knucklehead. And how do you live in uh, South Florida at that time and not know about all this going on? This is after Manny had been suspended and this is when it all started to really be publicized. I was going to say, um, not to mention there was at least at least one 60 Minutes on, on Manny yeah. and Biogenesis. Like, I mean, that was when he was. It was, running it was under before. The other it was before name. Biogenesis. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was. Uh, yeah, but but still, it's the same. Oh my gosh. Yeah, like, dude, just Google him. Then put the dots. Like he fucking, he was already like under a microscope, and he and bragged it, to him at the first meeting. Do you know who I am? I'm Doctor Tony Bosch. Tony Bosch, baseball. Like that should be enough for him to be like, you know what? Maybe I should search this guy. Mm-hmm. And maybe this is just a 2019 versus 2003, 2004 take or whatever this was. This is uh, around that area. But, like, if you're going to get into bed with business, in business with somebody, to me, don't you think I should figure out what this dude has in his closet first? Yeah, you would think so. But Porter was just looking for a friend. So Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I got jobs in 2004. Uh, I was a part of the working economy at that point in my life. And I still, I know, right? Sorry, Tommy, I'm older than you. Um, 
<laughs> I still was looking stuff up to be like, oh, should I work here? Can I see anything about this? Can I see photos? Like something. How are you just going to start working for someone and not look up their business at all? Just have no fucking clue. If he typed in the name of the company, he would have like that immediately uh, found information about Tony Bosch. Yeah, it's not like Google wasn't around back then. Like he had anything he needed to like just do a quick search on this guy. Uh, the four million dollar payout for Major League Baseball. Thoughts? Wild. Yeah, no, I, uh, I believe it. I, actually, I think it was five, right? It was five million. So he, the uh, documentary mentions five, but then when Tony's co- when they have him uh, reading Tony. through the list, Doctor Tony Bosch reading through the list of people he was paid for. At the end, he goes, "Yeah, so I think that comes to about four million, unless he was then implying that a Rod was worth a million. Um, which, if he was, that went right over my head. That might have been it. The thing that I, I like, was trying to figure that out too. Yeah, the thing that got me too was that he said he had the contract and he was reading from it, but they never showed like any pictures of it either. Yeah, like, they were showing everything. I mean, we were seeing. That. Yeah, we were seeing fucking bags that were used for steroids and stuff, and we were seeing Oogie's house. Why do I need to see <laughs> Oogie's house if you're not going to show me uh, the contract? I know Oogie lives in a sketchy house. I, yeah. his name's Oogie. Yeah, yeah, I didn't need the house to confirm it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and how about so with when you mentioned Bosch uh, and the potential of he was just rounding up or uh, thought A Rod was a million there. I took that as he was just Billy McFarland and just rounding up, saying four million is five million. <laughs> I mean, they're they're neighbors essentially. Yeah. It's number neighbors. Yeah, exactly. S- <laughs> number neighbors. <laughs> I mean that's that's all the rage on social media right now. So uh, let's stay relevant. Uh, you mentioned A Rod. How do you? Let's start with you, Seven. Being a Yankees guy, how did your how did this shift any? Did it shift your opinion of A Rod? I never really had a high opinion of A Rod, so this didn't really do much for me. Um, I always thought he was kind of out of his mind. Uh, everything from like him kissing his mirror, the centaur picture he has over his bed. Uh, when I think when Dr. Tony Bosch, uh, when he was describing his, his apartment, uh, off, over the Hudson, just everything. It was just so white. It was all it white. It was so, white. so I, white. I thought it, I thought it was too white. Yeah. <laughs> like this, everything about him, like nothing really surprises me about him. Um, I will say this though, like it, I didn't expect that he was getting shot up in a nightclub in Miami in the bathroom with Dr. Tony Bosch on his knees, shooting a needle in his ass. So that was new news for me. Uh, but again, like it's tough to not believe this because A-Rod's out of his fucking mind. So it doesn't really do much for me or move the needle any other way. It's just, you know, this is A-Rod being A-Rod. Yeah, and and I mean, I kind of figured that he was going to be this this kind of a guy. The, the, the biggest take, I don't even, it's not even an A-Rod takeaway, but the little kid they got to play A-Rod was literally A-Rod at 12. Like he had this, he had the yeah. same exact. They 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 had him do some like fake baseball highlights. He had the same swing. He had the same look to him. Mm-hmm. Like that that kid was Alex Rodriguez. The only I, thing I would he say, was missing was the frosted tips. But I I mean at twelve you're not getting frosted tips. So maybe track down uh, any of his any of his former lovers and see if this is A Rod Junior here. That's true. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, can we talk about them getting blood? 
or A Rod uh, having to give not give blood, but uh, Doctor Tony Bosch getting a vial of blood from A Rod in a nightclub, and then they lose Tony Doctor Tony Bosch loses the vial in the nightclub. Okay, so I think Doctor Tony Bosch is one thousand percent full of shit that he was taking people's blood to try and see what deficiencies they had. I think he was taking people's blood to cover his own ass. That if anyone tried to turn on him, he would turn them in and everyone else along with it. Um, I do not believe that Dr. Tony Bosch is capable of running an analysis on someone's blood to decide what deficiencies they had when he had Oogie making testosterone in his fucking bathtub. Uh, <laughs> so I, so my thought, my thought on the blood was being uh the unlicensed physician that he is mm, mm. um he thought like okay this feels like it should be part of the process let me just take this blood real quick and and you know it, it's gonna look official to this guy that doesn't know shit about what i'm doing here it's the age-old tenant look good feel good play good if he looks like a doctor by wearing a lab coat that says Dr. Tony Bosch, and he shoots people in the ass to act like a doctor, then, ipso facto, he's an unlicensed physician. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, there is just so much. Oh, here's the real question I think that no one's talking about. Did they find that vial of blood? Did, or did they, they might have mentioned it, I missed it. Did they find that vial of blood, or did they have to go back and do it again? I'm not sure if they actually ever found that. Yeah, never found it, but he still mentioned that Aroid was able to get shot in the ass successfully. So I'm not sure he was bringing those test results back to the lab uh, to try and maximize Aroid's efficiency. Um, um, sorry, uh, but so like my question is: All right, let's say you're you're Joe Random in the nightclub, just and you just, a vial of blood. Exactly, you just kick a vial of blood on the floor, and you're like, "What the fuck, dude?" Imagine well, or like. Who's- Thinking that's like a shot of something. Like I don't. Even want to, yeah, I don't want to. Oh, oh, actually, I actually. Oh god, I'm actually gagging. Hold on. Oh. <coughs> just get some centaur blood in you. Just. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Let's turn into a Harry Potter reference. Um, <laughs> I, I missed that completely. I was literally. I was gagging. I don't know if you guys heard that, but holy yeah, oh, shit! Did. Don't worry. <laughs> we heard it. I just coughed um, up a lung. Yeah. I like. Or, or who's the dude who picked that up and put it in his pocket? Like, how didn't it get found? <laughs> My guess, all right, and this is a 100% educated guess out there, is he said there everybody was jumping up and down. I feel like... Um, it broke. It, if it, No, it, I, I was giving it credit that it, that it made it to the floor, but he said everybody was jumping up and down. I think somebody stepped on it. Mm-hmm. That could that be was it. My, that was my take. That's a good one. Or maybe it's still sitting underneath the booth because someone kicked it and just been at this... <laughs> Uh, Miami nightclub for the past 11 years. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, so then A-Rod obviously goes to uh, arbitration against Bosch in Major League Baseball. Um, and as Bosch is walking in, and I vividly remember seeing all these signs, A-Rod allegedly hires people with pizza to picket outside Major League Baseball offices as Bosch goes to testify. That was wild. It's like the Tobey Maguire ah. gift. Pizza time. <laughs> oh, my God. Toby I really want pizza now. Son of a bitch. Yeah, right? 
Uh, this is when we do a promo for Little Caesars or something. Where are you at? <laughs> Hit us up at Twitter, the underscore breakdown, B-R-K-D-W-N. Uh, we are looking for pizza sponsors. If we could sit here and eat pizza and talk baseball, I don't <laughs> I, I, I don't know if life could get better. I'll be honest. Um, yeah, I could not believe that when they were going through that. My first thought, and I immediately had a gut reaction while it's going on, is I'm like, why is the Latino community immediately ostracizing Tony Bosch? I'm like, what the fuck? He's lived in Miami his whole career. He can speak Spanish fluently through this whole documentary. Uh, he went to school in Central America. I'm like, what the hell is going on? And then it goes to the, oh, by the way, A-Rod hired people to write these signs. I was losing it. I could not believe that shit. Um, and then he talks, uh, Bosch talks about how he gets inside and A-Rod is making funny faces at him during the hearing to try and make Bosch laugh. Uh, seven, let's defend your number four. Uh, what do you think about that? Uh, no comment. Yeah. <laughs> weird dude. <laughs> Very weird dude. Ugh. I, I, I thought that was, I mean... And then you actually see the, the little kid doing the faces. Like, I thought I thought it was so well done. I loved the, I loved that whole thing. Yeah, um, it definitely happened too. Oh, definitely. And then A Rod goes right to Mike Francesa. Yeah, that was. Oh, that, that was good. Yeah, that was good. yeah. A Rod, A Rod, talk about it. What happened, India? I fucking love Mike Francesa. He's such a dumbass. Uh, but what a good publicist to think, shit, my client just threw a scene, kicked over a lawyer's uh, briefcase, briefcase, pointed at the investigator's face and said, you know this is bullshit, and stormed off. Let's get him to the fucking biggest radio station, possibly on the East Coast, uh, definitely in New York for in terms of sports. Let's get him there. Let's get him on uh, Mike Francesa. Let's crack open a Diet Coke with Mike. Bosh. Between Pedro Gomez, it, it eventually comes out that, you know, crossing his lines here, he falls for it on 60 minutes. What were you guys' thoughts on that? Um, I think the Bosch thing, like, yeah, that, I mean, for him, I mean, it just proves how much of an idiot he is. Like, he knows the heat's on him, and he's, like, thinking, like, oh, well, I've cooperated, so they, so they, can't, they can't do anything to me. Nope, sure enough, DEA at his doorstep fucking right after that, so... Um, that was just perfect irony, just poetic justice, like Bosch trying to come clean and he forgot that he was juicing up kids and that's what really got good. Like that did him in right there. So, um, I think that was perfect. Just the end to this chapter for him, um, just going to jail in that manner. Yeah. Yeah. And then he's denied bail because he, you know, was snorting the booger sugar. So dumb. I think it is the perfect, um, poetic justice for all of this that he gets caught going down because he decided to do 60 minutes because the because major league baseball tricked him into doing an expose that then allowed him to on national tv admit to federal crimes unbelievable way to go (laughs) bud selig on the way out the door with a giant fuck you to tony bosch said at least uh at least McGuire and Sosa's uh, dealer didn't get caught. What did you guys think about um, they're talking about how baseball just needed the steroid race and the and, and how steroids and home runs and all that had affected the game of baseball? 
I think at the time, I don't think they needed it, but I, I also, I don't want to try to sympathize with it, but um, <clears throat> from that standpoint where they're coming off a strike in 94 and, you know, attendance and just viewership was down, I get why Selig turned a blind eye at the time, but I also want, like, it's, it's tough to really fathom how much he let it get out of hand. Like, clearly they weren't, it was, it was really just negligence. They weren't looking into it because they didn't want to know what was going on, but they knew something was going on. Uh, but then after things start breaking and you hear about all these players doing performance-enhancing drugs, at, at that point it's like, all right, well, they could have stopped it earlier and they just kind of let it drag on. There was no severe penalties. And I think that's why Sealy's not the commissioner anymore. Um, and, and that's really, I mean, it's not like Manfred's a, a godsend either. He was complicit in a lot of this, but it's just, it, it's a bad look for the sport. But I can understand at the time, like, turning a blind eye to it, they had to get their numbers up. And that's just the reality of it. Jordan, how about uh, you? Yeah. So, Brendan, do you remember when, I'm sure you you remember the home run race, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, we were, that's 97, 98, we were in like first grade. Yeah. Um, that I was following baseball before that with my father, really just watching Red Sox games. That was the first time that I suddenly cared about the entire league. Um, I was very tuned into what was happening with that home run race. And you also had Griffey on the outside looking in. Um, I think he, he ended up hitting somewhere around 50. You had Rafael Palmero that year. It was really blowing up. It certainly helped me fall in love with baseball but at the same time i'm not sure that it was necessary yeah they're coming off of a strike and it was highly enjoyable um i still think one of the one of the all-time baseball moments from my childhood was the home run derby in 99 at fenway park yeah um god that was unreal with uh it was griffey and sosa going back and forth I think it was those two. Maybe Maguire was in there as well. Um, but just going back and forth, home run for home run. Um, a lot of, you know, my ages, 7 through 11, was really about uh, who hits the most home runs. That's That, to my idea, was the greatest baseball player. Uh, when I was a child, I always said that Hank Aaron was my favorite. He was my favorite baseball player. He was my hero. And yeah, Hank Aaron did fucking really cool shit. Hank Aaron, for breaking Babe Ruth's record, put up with death threats for multiple seasons. Um, he had people chase him on the field uh, when he was hitting home runs and working towards Babe Ruth's uh, record. But none of that stuff was why I thought he was my hero. I thought he was my hero because, oh my God, he hit fucking 756. That's so cool. I can't believe someone hit that many home runs. Um and it, I wouldn't have felt that way if there wasn't the home run race. If there wasn't the arms race, um, I would have never felt that way. I would have probably been interested in pitchers because that's around the time we had Clemens, we had Pedro, we had Randy Johnson. Um, and they were really running the league outside of these major power hitters. That's interesting to me because like, I, I was you know coming into my baseball fandom, the first thing I vividly remember – as like you said, with the the scope of the entire league, was Barry Bonds breaking the single season record. So I'm a, a little behind you guys there, but I kind of the same way. Like Bonds was my guy growing up, and and I was heartbroken to hear his name thrown around in all these scare uh, steroid scandals. Um, so it's just it's so interesting to see I don't, like how this brought us to the game you know obviously we, we would have been fans of our respective teams but for the league as a whole you kind of have to thank the, the steroid scandal yeah 
Certainly. Um, definitely played into a big piece of what I was interested in. Like you, I, I fucking loved Barry Bonds. I thought he was the coolest. They had that new stadium. They weren't playing out in this windy football field anymore out in the middle of nowhere by the airport in San Francisco. They had this beautiful stadium right on the water. There was this cool thing, McCovey Cove. There was a counter on the wall, and it counted up every time Barry Bonds hit a home run. It was really cool, and I fucked, I ate that shit up. Uh, that really carried me through um, my childhood. And actually, when I, I had a brief hiatus where I kind of got bored of baseball a little bit, and a lot was post uh, Bonds. Um, actually, it went until really Moneyball uh, with the actual book coming out, and then the Red Sox winning uh, the series, and all that got me back into it. But the home run race is really what carried me, got me into baseball. I would not have really become a fan outside of following the Red Sox. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, there's really nothing that's like watching a home run. Um, although I will say watching Gio Urshela just get knock after knock every night is, I'm developing quite the man crush on him. But yeah, no, I mean, the fans want to see a home run. They don't want to see a sack fly or a bunt. So I get it. Um, it, de- it definitely like helped energize the sport. So yeah, Tommy, to your point, like we kind of have the steroid era to thank for a lot of the fandom to be where it is now. Um, but it is also great that it's starting to diminish. I, I hope so, um, because now I can really respect and enjoy the game more than I could back in the day. And the beauty of that is we kind of have a little bit more of an arms race now as teams as holes are hitting record home runs. The Yankees breaking the all-time record this year. Twins on pace to do it this year or single season record, I'm sorry, uh, Twins on pace to do it this year. The Yankees are going to break their own record, and the Twins are going to break that record as well. Mm-hmm. I, 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 we're having an arms race without the steroids that we know of. Um, unless, unless Dr. Tony Bosch juiced the baseballs. That, that's possible. That, that's it. He's working behind the scenes. I, you, hey, you know what? You don't need a medical license to practice on a baseball. Exactly. Yeah. And I think he actually got Porter Fisher's job with the MLB. Uh, they're paying him, <laughs> what was it, like 50, 10 grand? 10 grand to pick up the baseballs. Yeah. And there we go. He's picking up the balls and putting juice in them. Yep. There we go. <laughs> we've con- we've connected the dots. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so, yeah, that is uh, it's screwball in a nutshell. Ended up being a 40-minute talk, so sorry if he jumped in in the middle of it. Uh, but a fun one nonetheless and definitely a, a documentary worth watching. Would you recommend screwball to a friend's gentleman? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Even if you're not a baseball fan, I think it is a good watch. Uh, really helps frame and put into good perspective what happened in baseball from, you know, 97 uh, straight through to when this all ended in 13. I mean, obviously, there's still players getting suspended. Uh, shout out to the Indians um, for Easy. that one. Um, no, actually, I think you guys are good, right? Uh, Abraham Almonte was our last one that got popped. All right, so you're you're doing good for now. Um, I was gonna say, but... who is that a shot at? <laughs> no, not them. No, you just got people who fight when they're on other teams and get traded. And that's so like, dumb of the no Reds fault. to keep him in the game. Yeah, so... that was absurd. I love no it. fault of his own. Anyway, all right, let's get to our curtain calls, boys, because we 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 all said we'd recommend it to a friend. Um, I'll start. Dodgers are gonna win the NL West by thirty games. They're at nine. They're at nineteen right now. I understand that Arizona is playing decent baseball right now, but here are the teams they play 
through, uh, for, for the rest of the year. Marlins, cake. Braves, okay. Blue Jays, cake. Yankees, okay. Good. I'm sorry. I'll say good for the for the for the for the Yankees. Yeah. Padres. Padres. Then they have the Diamondbacks for the last series of August. If they can take three out of four in that series, then they have Rockies, Giants, Orioles, Mets, Rays. Tough little five game stretch there. Rockies, Padres, Giants to end the year. Yeah, it could happen. I can see that one playing out. They have not, they're at, they're at 19 right now. I, it's it's a little high, but I think I don't think it's out of the question by any means. No, I I kind of like that one. I, I think it's actually very attainable. Jordan, what do you got? So next year, not really, not much of a curtain call. Uh, this is I'm just gonna drop a little tidbit here uh, for the listeners. So next year, uh, we got the Field of Dreams game going on in Dyersville, Iowa, a riveting town that has. Uh, is the home of the National Toy Truck Museum. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's pretty exciting nightlife in Dyersville. They're going to be playing the remake, uh, or they're remaking the Field of Dreams, which is very exciting. Uh, I'm going to let everyone know right here, right now, that gap to gap will be in attendance. Uh, we will be documenting ourselves. Uh, we'll do a little, we're going to do a road trip. So with myself moving to Chicago, we're looking at about a four-hour drive out to Dyersville, Iowa. Uh, we will have vlogs. Uh, we'll take it out of the Paul Brothers uh, book there uh, and do some vlogging. Uh, we'll stop along the way, <laughs> catch some sights, see what Iowa has to offer. Uh, personally, never been to Iowa. Never thought I would, but... Likewise. Field, of Dream- Field of Dreams game is happening. I think we got it. Uh, we'll go. We'll check out some uh, Yankees and White Sox action. We'll do a the, pod. The, t- the storied rivalry. Yes. Storied li- rivalry. Been there a long time. It only makes sense that we are featuring these two teams, uh, especially since they're basing the park on Comiskey Park, uh, which is their the White Sox famous stadium. Um, and looks like they are mentioning that there was Shoeless Joe Jackson in action there. Uh, that's on the official MLB teaser. Not sure. Shoeless Joe Jackson is one of my favorite players of all time. Yeah, big big shoeless Joe Jackson guy. Big shoeless guy. Good to know. Uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna be doing a pod from there. Uh, real excited, looking forward to it. We'll be tra- traveling back to Chicago, and we will catch uh, the rest of the series in Southside. Uh, check out what Guaranteed Rate Field has to offer, uh, and see some Yankees and White Sox and their storied uh, storied rivalry. The question is. Yes. When we when we hit up guaranteed rate, um, are we gonna have a section to ourselves because they they don't exactly sell that park out? I think we could have the whole Lowe's to ourselves at guaranteed rate. <laughs> no, just from attendance numbers, looking on TV, I don't think this is gonna be too hard to get a seat there. Tens of fans in attendance. Exactly. Tens. Yikes. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe next year they'll try and sign someone else's. Uh, brother-in-law to get them on the team <laughs> yeah out this go and then cut them yeah right. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> all right seven uh what do you got to, to end the show here so uh, another content purpose uh curtain call i'm gonna take it upon myself to adopt tony ba- dr tony bosch's regiment and i'm gonna juice and We'll see my progress <laughs> after uh, about a month. I'll be a walking brick shit house. So, 
<laughs> when we go to uh, Iowa, I will look like I was just birthed on fucking mashed potatoes and gravy and steak tips, and I'll look like the absolute fucking Hulk. It's going to be fucking bench-pressing cows. Yes. I'm not going to tip them. I'm going to bench-press them. So stay tuned for content purposes, I, of course. As someone who's known you for the last five years or so, um, oh, shit, no, way longer than that. Man. Yeah. Yeah, uh, like eight years. I very much look forward to a juiced seven. Uh, <laughs> current seven looks like a like he might dabble in like half marathons. Um, whereas Juice Seven, uh, not the same. He might eat thirteen miles worth of beef. <laughs> I'm just gonna start eating cows raw while they're still living. I'll be so juiced out of my mind. Come out of this fucker looking like Ivan Drago. Yep, can't wait. <laughs> Pizza time. <laughs> All right, with that, oh, another fantastic episode of gap to gap comes to a close um before we go uh the breakdown would like to remind you as always that if you're tired of playing season-long fantasy and you're losing to teams like pizza time um the mad madison bum pussies (laughs) (laughs) or whoever you're losing to uh you need to check out thrive fantasy it's a prop bet based daily fantasy lineup game, and the concept's simple. Choose an over or under for a player's given statistic, and if you combine all the props for one of the highest scoring lineups that night, you cash in. So whether you're looking to play $2 games or $100 games, Thrive Fantasy has a match for you. Thrive Fantasy can be downloaded in the Apple and Google Play stores, and now they got football, and they're going to have football coming up. They have uh, regular season prop bets coming up. They dabble in golf every now and then and it's going to be fantastic so use our code breakdown that's b-r-k-d-w-n and you receive 10 free dollars when you deposit 10 dollars through paypal thrive fantasy prop up with us seven jordan always a pleasure glad we got to get the band back together jordan take us out man yeah absolutely signing off uh quick shout out to Tommy there. Uh, I did not even tell him about the email that Thrive Fantasy sent me today because they said week one is here. Uh, so go ahead, sign up for Thrive Fantasy. Use our promo code BREAKDOWN, B-R-K-D-W-N, to check that out. Uh, get in on some week one action. Uh, we're only 30 days out from the NFL season. Uh, on behalf of Tommy, Seven, and myself, I am signing off. Uh, see you all next week. Check us out, Gap to Gap. And don't forget to look us up on Twitter at the underscore breakdown B R K D W N. Peace. See ya. Don't you know, thump it up. You've got to thump it up. Don't you know, thump it up.